it might ask you a question of if you're okay we're um, going live Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. I'm actually in Anchorage today. And for those of you that are tuning in, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're also going to be having election day coverage live. So from eight o'clock to around 11 o'clock, Suzanne and I will be on um, Must Read Alaska show live. And we're going to be having special guests all throughout the night, elected officials, political gurus, you name it, they'll be on the show telling us the ins and outs of what's going on in this crazy, uh, not only special election, but regular election. So that should be fun. You're going to want to tune in. Uh, I'll pin today to the top of the page, uh, the Facebook live invite. Uh, so you can, uh, you know, uh, RSVP to that so that when we go live, you'll get dinged automatically. But even if you miss that, all you got to do to do is remember just to go on our Facebook page around eight o'clock and we'll also pin that live to the top of the page. And last, you know, we've done this the last couple of years and man, we have so much fun and we have thousands and thousands of people that join us throughout the night on, on Facebook. And so we're excited tonight to uh, bring that uh, election day coverage live right to you. So uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. And for those of you uh, that, uh, tune into the show on a regular basis. We just ask you to give us a review. Maybe you're on Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, uh, you know, iTunes, Pandora, the list goes on. And if you enjoy our show, make sure to click that review button and give us a five-star review. We'd love it. Love to have that. And if you're on your phone, Google phone and or Samsung, Android, or even a, a Apple a smart uh, iPhone, make sure to download our Must Read Alaska app. We have our very own app in the app store. We put a lot of time and money resources into that app and it's free for you. We wanna give you uh, access to the news that we think is um, uh, the real news out there. And we wanna make sure that you get that right to your phone and for free. So make sure to download that app and give us a review. But man, do I have a treat for everybody today. Uh, I have a friend of mine that's coming on to the Must Read Alaska show. Um, he is, uh, he is quite, he's had quite the life and, uh, he spends his time influencing people and telling folks about Jesus is what his main thing is, which I think is so cool. So welcome to the show, Doug Burley. Thank you, John. Well, I'm so glad you could make it, Doug. Um, so for those of you, uh, for those folks out there that maybe they're hearing your name for the first time here in Alaska. Tell folks a little bit about um, who you are and where you grew up. Take us back to the very beginnings of Doug Burley. Well, I, I grew up in Seattle, Washington. Actually, was born at the end of World War II. Uh, my dad was a Navy pilot, and I was born in the Naval Hospital in Norman, Oklahoma, for $7.50. And uh <laughs> I, I hope that was a good deal. But uh, shortly afterwards, our family moved to Seattle. Um, we never went to church until I was about six years old. My parents went forward in a Billy Graham crusade. And all of a sudden, we started going to a really good church by the University of Washington, University Presbyterian. And uh, and I came to know Jesus through that. And really, in, in high school with Young Life, uh, I um, 
at a place called Malibu up in British Columbia. I made a commitment uh, and really began a personal relationship with Jesus. So uh, um, went to college down at Willamette University in Salem, Oregon, and uh, majored in political science and Russian. And uh, my second year, I was walking through the Russian department, and I saw this thing on the wall that said National Defense Foreign Language Fellowships. So I sent in, applied, forgot all about it, got a big fat envelope a few months later, which sent me to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor for six weeks to study third year Russian and then go to the Soviet Union, which began a lifelong process. I've probably been there 150 times wow. over the last 57 years. So, you know. So somewhere along the line, you came on Young Life staff and for... Yeah. Um, for uh, tell me about the story that you know you were probably maybe sitting in your office and you get the call that you know you're going to be offered to be the next president of Young Life. So tell us that story. Well, I I, uh, I had all these options open. I'd finished a master's degree at the University of Washington in political science and Russian studies. And I was admitted to law school. I they asked me to go on for a doctorate. Uh, I was asked to uh, accept a, a career position at the CIA. I'd gone back there for a week over spring break. And oh, Young Life also asked me to work with them at the robust salary of $300 a month. And <laughs> just put that on my heart. I was driving a Seattle transit bus while I was writing my thesis the summer of 1967. And it was this verse in Luke 9. If anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, keep close behind me. He that seeks to save his own life will lose it. The one that loses his life for my sake will find it. And then this key line, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his own very self? So I began a 26-year uh, stint with Young Life the last six as the president. Um, I was back in Washington, D.C. as the Eastern Field Director on a snowy night. And uh, there had been a three-month search process that started with 60 and then down to 20 and then down to 10, then down to four. And I got the call and I was asked to be the, the fourth president of Young Life. There's, there's only been six in uh, wow. 80 years a real honor to do that so give give us a give us a story of one of your favorite you know experiences or memories of young life you spent 26 years there i'm sure you have more than a few but uh share with us yeah. one of your favorite ones well uh 49 years ago this summer um i was the area director in tacoma washington and i got the bright idea to through a travel company to take 27 kids to the Soviet Union. And we were in three Volkswagen buses and, a, and an Opel. Uh, and we went all the way through the Western part of the Soviet Union. And I'll tell you, you talk about an adventure. We, each one of us had a couple Russian Bibles that we would bring in and we uh, just asked the Holy Spirit to show us who to give it to. Um, well, we had a 10-year reunion, a 20, a 30, a 40, and next year we'll have a 50-year reunion. 
So it was a life-changing experience. But in the middle of it, one of the college leaders, all-conference football player, had a mental breakdown. And it was one of the toughest months of my life, trying to keep him out of Russian mental hospitals. Finally got him out of the country. But it's one of those experiences that you'll never forget. And you probably don't want to repeat. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> great experience for all these kids. They really uh, had a great experience of trust in the Lord as we're driving to Moscow, Leningrad, Kiev. So uh, as we have these reunions now, they say, uh, you know, I can't believe my parents let me go with a 28-year-old bachelor, you know, to the Soviet Union. And I thought, you know, I can't believe they did either. <laughs> hey, everybody experience. came back alive so that was they, the bar you set <laughs> they, they did yes yeah great experience so, so one of the things you do now which i think is just fascinating and it's an organization that i um was involved in a little bit is you know there's many names for it but um the fellowship and you guys um are a loosely affiliated group of folks that follow jesus and you put on things like the national prayer breakfast and, you know, Governor's Prayer Breakfast, you started, you know, the movement kind of started this, I think, back in the 50s. Um, talk to us a little bit about what this organization does for folks that have never heard of it and, you know, why it's important to have things like this in politi politicians' lives. Well, of course, I live in Washington, D.C. now and work in a place called uh, the Cedars it's a seven acre property, 10 minutes from the Capitol. And we have all kinds of breakfast, lunches, dinners for ambassadors, members of Congress and so on. But you think to yourself right now in this very divided time, when is it that Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives get together around the person of Jesus? And that's the beauty of a prayer breakfast. We would say it's not a Christian prayer breakfast. It's not a religious prayer breakfast. It's a prayer breakfast in the spirit of Jesus. And uh, it brings together all kinds of people, liberals, conservatives, Democrats, Republicans, um, and around the teachings of Jesus. Um, every February, the last 70 years, we've had the National Prayer Breakfast. And uh, there'll be 3,500 people from 150 countries that come. And by the way, people from all religious backgrounds Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, atheists, agnostics, Jews. And because we meet in the spirit of Jesus, not Christianity, we lift up this person who, by the way, I, in my Bible, I've never found that he, he came to establish any religion. He came for the whole world, for God so loved the world. So we lift up his name and his person. And you know what? He brings people together. Uh, about 80 years ago, little groups started in the Senate on Wednesday morning and the House on Thursday morning. They still meet today. So on a Wednesday morning, there'll be 25 to 30 senators that will meet um, privately. What's shared there stays there. In other words, confidentiality. Each week, a different senator leads the time. They may read a passage from the scripture. He may share a story or two, and then they they, they talk and, and they pray together. And 
these groups actually put on the breakfast. We're, we're there. They, they do the program. We invite the guests, book the hotel and so on. But it's really their breakfast. Uh, this year, uh, two, two uh, representatives, uh, Democrat and Republican, will emcee that breakfast that started in 1953. And this will be the 71st annual breakfast. That's awesome. And I suspect that like any of these kinds of events, the real work happens outside of the events and the event is maybe the fun crescendo of the year. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's relationships. You know, we, uh, we, we walk the halls of Congress and uh, we're not, the, the unique thing when we walk into a congressman's office, we may be the only person that doesn't want anything. We don't have an angle. We're not trying to get them to do this or do that. We just like to be a friend. And uh, they have all kinds of challenges. Their life is very public. And so we've discovered that relationships, uh, and it's what Jesus did, isn't it? He, three years with those 12 disciples and the others that uh, he ministered to is he connected with people and loved them. And that's what we try to do. And uh, of course I do it in Russia in Ukraine. Ukraine right now has the largest prayer breakfast in Europe, 1300 last September. Wow. And the interesting thing is in 75 cities around the country, they have local prayer breakfasts. Obviously right now is a pretty devastating time and we're praying for those friends and hope the war will end soon. But it's all about relationships. And you said it, the prayer breakfast is an instrument bringing people together around the teachings of Jesus. And I kind of think it causes all boats to rise, okay? So the, um, I went to one of them, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And <coughs> the, uh, guy, the, the guy that wrote Braveheart, I believe, and, and uh, was, it was when Obama was president. And I can uh, tell you that, it, you know, for folks that are listening that are like, this sounds, you know, I'm gonna, I know the comments that I'm gonna see. Like, this sounds like some hippie communist, you know, communist movement. And it's really just a bunch of guys getting together talking about and ga and gals getting together talking about Jesus and not talking about organized religion. And so um, you know, anytime you can you can get a group of folks together that are talking about Jesus and not worrying about um what their political affiliation is or anything like that, I think is a good day. So um, Doug, tell me, give us a story of, I'm sure you've, you've literally traveled the world. Now I'm going to give you a compliment that you probably won't like, but you're arguably probably one of the most influential people in the entire world. Uh, but you are one that would not want to admit that. So I think that God's opened a tremendous amount of doors for you to have, um, influence, uh, uh, over in people's lives that may other, you know, that most people don't even have access to. So I think that that's a cool thing. And so I, I wanna ask you tell, to tell us a story about, you know, one of these things that you, you know, maybe a meeting or an event that you're in and you're like, there's no, how the heck did I get here? <laughs> you know, God, you know, God, what do you got for me here? I can't even believe I'm in this situation. Tell us one of those stories. About three years ago, uh, I, I mentioned there were 75 local regional prayer breakfasts in Ukraine. So I'm, I'm in a city in Ukraine, in Western Ukraine, and there's probably three, 400 people that are at this prayer breakfast. 
and the mayor and the governor are there. And, uh, you know, the pastors don't lead it. The, the people and the political leaders lead it. So anyway, my assignment as the keynote to get up and to not get up, I just take 25 minutes and talk about Jesus. And, you, you know, the room gets very quiet because, you, you know, his life and his teachings draw people like nothing else in the world. Um, you know, he is truth personified. So anyway, I, I got up, I spoke for about 25 minutes about Jesus. And I noticed that the mayor, after I finished, got up and left the room. And I thought to myself, I wonder, did I offend him? And he just quietly slipped out the door. Well, about five minutes later, he came back and he comes up to the dais and he, he has a beautiful picture of Jesus. And it's not a painting, it's an embroidery. In other words, you know, somebody, I don't know how you do this, somebody did it, the thing. And it's, it, it, it's just, it's beautiful. And I have it in my office today. Um, people will tell me, you know, I feel like his eyes are following me as I walk around the room. It's one of the <laughs> kind of pictures that's just fabulous. He comes up to me and he says, uh, I really like the way you talked about Jesus. I've had this picture in my office uh, for many years and I want to give it to you. And uh, I look at that picture in my office and it reminds me of good people all over the world who were drawn to the teachings of Jesus. And uh, ironically, uh, as that city and many others are being bombed today, what comes to mind for me is hundreds of faces of good people who love their freedom and who love Jesus. And I think the reason for the last five and a half months they've survived against the Russian onslaught is that Putin miscalculated. He, uh, he thought it would be like Afghanistan. It would fall in a matter of days. But you know, the Afghans don't love Afghanistan. They're tribal. These folks love their country. Um, they've had 32 years of freedom and they don't want to give it up. So anyway, that picture reminds me, number one, of the majesty of Jesus and number two, of the kindness and generosity of these friends all over the world. That's that's awesome. So, um, you know, Doug, if you go to, you know, you, you're fortunate enough to be friends with a lot of U.S. senators and House of Representatives and the fellowship has been ministering to U.S. presidents since Eisenhower, which I think is maybe even before then, which I think is awesome. But, um, you know, we're here in Alaska, little old Alaska, and we, you know, a lot of our listeners are folks that are showing up to, you know, city council meetings or borough assembly meetings, and they're voicing their concerns about what's happening in their own local governments or um you know, or even our state government, what's your advice to them to be able to make a tangible difference? Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of disenfranchised overall with, you know, the political realm <laughs> or atmosphere. Um, what's your advice to them? I think a lot of folks are hopeless and, and don't know what to do. And I, I have a sense of what you're going to say, but, you know, you've had a little bit more experience than a lot of folks in Alaska, including myself. So give us your two cents on what's what's still effective in making a difference. Well, 
I, I think for me, uh, when, when I don't like somebody, um, and, and that's very easy, isn't it? For us, a lot of people don't like others. Um, what I do is I ask the Lord to help me see that person through his eyes. Most people know the verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But they don't know the verse before that. And it goes like this. Henceforth, we no longer see anyone from a worldly point of view. Or another translation is, we no longer see anyone according to the flesh. Even as we once saw Christ as a man, we see him that way no longer. You know, we see him as the son of God. So what I do when I encounter somebody that's offensive to me or whatever, is I just ask the Lord, Lord, help me see this person through your eyes. Because the Lord loves him, doesn't he? Um, I had a uh, column uh, written about me the other day in the Oregonian. And one, one of the comments was, um, I said uh, to the writer, I said, does, does Jesus love Vladimir Putin? Does he? And he kind of looked at me funny like, and he guess he said, well, I, I think he does. And I said, well, I know he does so much. Now, he may not like what he does, but he loves him. And I think, uh, John, that's the key for all of us is I can't love people, but I know somebody who can. And he helps me see even the most difficult people through his lens, and I can love them. And, you know, when we do that, that's that, you know, that solves a lot of problems. You know, uh, um, the scripture says the man that says he loves God and hates his brother is a liar. For how can he love God whom he has not seen when he can't love his brother whom he has seen? So for me, that's what I do uh, is I just go, Lord, help me see this person through your eyes because hatred Another way to say it would be every one of us have been given a pile of wood in life. You can use it for one of two things, build fences or build bridges. I want to build bridges with it. That's awesome. So one of the things you did recently, Doug, was you wrote a book, I believe, last year called Jesus Changes Everything, Discovering a Truly Christ-Centered Life. And for those of you listening today, we're going to be doing a giveaway. So to enter to win that giveaway, all you have to do is like, comment, share, or tag a friend in this Facebook post, and you'll be entered to win. We'll probably pick somebody at the end of the week because it's a pretty long week because of election week, but um, we're going to be giving away one of these books, maybe two, so make sure you enter to win that. But Doug, tell us a little bit about this book and and um, why you wrote it. My guess is you probably had people knocking on your door saying, you need to write this stuff down. You need to write this stuff down. <laughs> well, I've been teaching uh, these principles and attributes of a disciple for the last 30 years. And when the pandemic came along, it gave me a little time to write it down. And it's been translated into Russian and Ukrainian. Uh, all of our disciples, uh, we have a bunch of communities in Rus six cities in Russia in Ukraine, in Armenia, in Kazakhstan. We started 27 years ago. But, you know, uh, in the Great Commission, it says, uh, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. What's that everything I commanded you? Well, I'm not saying we've got it exactly, but it's the things 
Jesus taught his disciples and they went out and turned the world upside down. I'll give you an example. What's the purpose of a follower of Jesus? Why do you do what you do? And Jesus said it was to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. If that's the purpose in my life, that's why I do what I do. My life is all about relationships. Most people's lives are all about things. Um, when I married my wife 48 years ago, her father, Doug Coe, who was sort of a, a patriarch of the fellowship uh, starting it, he, he said to me, Doug, invest your life in things that are eternal. I can think of two, a relationship with Jesus and relationships with family and friends in Jesus. 10,000 years from now, those things matter. <laughs> you think most people invest their lives in things they won't be taking with them. You know, somebody asked when John D. Rockefeller died, how much did he leave? The other guy said, all of it. In other words, the investments that are eternal are relationships. And John, I think the happiest people in the world are people that invest in relationships loving relationships with people. Um, so I, I think that's the secret that I've discovered. And I think it's the secret to happiness uh, is that I'm all about mining nuggets, uh, getting to know Jesus better. As, and as I do that, I get to know myself better and building friendships with people all over the world. That's awesome. Well, Doug, we also have, you know, a lot of our listeners or a lot of <laughs> officials listen to um, our podcast here in Alaska, state senators, state house people, uh, mayors, city council folks. Um, you know, a lot of those people, it's lonely at the top for them. And they, yeah. may, they may be listening to this thinking, this sounds awesome. I wonder, you know, what, what's your advice to them? Um, you know, folks that are elected officials, um, you know, trudging through life, feeling like everybody wants something from them and uh, oftentimes feeling like it's never enough. Yeah. Well, I, I think of two things I'd say. Number one, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, and I, I do this with a lot of people. I'll give them the first half of the verse and, and see if they can give me the second half. Most people can't. Let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. The second half of that verse is anything other than that comes from the evil one. So the first thing I'd say to politicians is make your yes a yes and your no a no. Um, you, you know, tell the truth. And when you do that, people begin to trust you. The sad thing about so many politicians is they lie all the time. You know, they don't walk their talk. Um, and I think the second thing I would say is relationship with people. You know, some people they want they want titles, they want all these other things, but they don't have friends around them. So important to build friendships, uh, loving relationships with people. Um, I'm looking for a quote here. I, if I, yeah, I, I want to read you a little quote. And uh, this is from Warren Buffett, okay? He said, I know people who uh, have a lot of money 
and they get test they get testimonial dinners, they get hospital wings named after them. But the truth is that nobody in the world loves them. If you get to my age in life and nobody thinks well of you, I don't care how big your bank account is, your life is a disaster. It's Warren Buffett, one of the rich. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? I just thought, wow, I ran into that the other day and thought he said it all right there. So make your life about people, love people. Um, and uh, uh, th that's what a politician ought to do is genuinely love people and always tell the truth. Make your yes a yes and your no a no. That's awesome. Well, um, Doug, I really appreciate you joining us here on the Must Read Alaska show. And for folks that are interested in buying your book, they can go on Amazon and look it up. And like I said, we're going to be doing a, um, a giveaway for that book. All you have to do is like, comment, and share um, the post here, and you'll be entered to win the book, which is going to be awesome. And so we'll give away a couple of those books. And uh, Doug, I wish you nothing but success in your, uh, 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 in your life. And I know that you're going to be very busy, man. You are seem to be in a different state or country uh, throughout the year. And so I, I think that that's awesome. I think that you're going around the world, literally just telling people about Jesus. So can't do better. You can't do much better than that. So um, for, for the folks that are um, interested in the election tonight, like I said, we're going to be having uh, an election show tonight from eight o'clock to 11. Um, and you can tune into the Must Read Alaska show. We'll be live on Facebook. You can check us out. We'll have, um, you know, different elected officials stop in throughout the night and political gurus stop in throughout the night. Suzanne and I will be there live throughout the night, just kind of keeping everybody informed about what's going on. We have the special election and then we have the primary as well. So it'll be a very interesting night. This election is like none Alaska has ever seen before because of ranked choice voting. And so my guess is we probably won't see the actual results, actual real results for the next couple of weeks because the ranked choice voting, <coughs> we have to count all of the votes. They have like taken about two weeks to do that, but we'll get a good um, you know overview of what's happened tonight by probably 11 o'clock. So for those of you uh, tuning in, we really appreciate you. And like I said, give us a good review if you listen in on iHeartRadio, Pandora, iTunes, or Amazon. And Doug, thanks again so much for joining us. You're welcome any back. You're welcome back anytime. And I hope you have an awesome rest of your day uh, over there in the Northwest. So thanks so much. Thank you.